Friday night, we, uh, my family was all here, and we decided we would go out for ice cream. And I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that my father loves chocolate ice cream. I think that most days of his life, at least that I've been around, I've seen him eat chocolate ice cream. And you can just tell that there's something about it that he really likes. And he likes it so much that he doesn't think, you know, maybe today I'll try vanilla or strawberry or anything else, chocolate. That's the only kind of ice cream there is. That's actually what he said. He can also tell you that he loves my mother, but in a, in a different way. See, he loves ice cream, and I think we all love ice cream. Well, most of us probably love ice cream because of what it can do for us. And, and we all know this. Anyone who's had ice cream knows that well, ice cream tastes really good. It's not super sweet like some of the candy that's out there that you put it in your mouth. And, mm, that's a little too much. And it's, it's nice and smooth and creamy, and it feels good in your mouth. You don't really have to chew it. You can just kind of let it melt. And on a nice hot day like today when the sun's out and shining, oh, wait a minute, like yesterday, a nice hot day that there's just something about going and getting a nice ice cream cone. It cools you down, and even sometimes it's nice when it starts to melt over your fingers, you know. But we like ice cream because of what it can do for us. And it's, it's no strange thing in our culture to say, I love ice cream. We love ice cream because of what it can do for us. There was a song that was popular a few years back, and the, the title of the song, and the way that it starts off, is the song says, your love is better than ice cream. It's better than anything I've ever tried. And they got me thinking. Do we look at all of love the way that we love ice cream? Do we look at, at love of, of other people the same way that, that we love ice cream? And I think too many times we make the same comparison. We look at, at other people as, as ice cream, and not, you know, as ice cream, but we look at them in terms of what can they do for us? What is this? love gonna make me feel and I think that's one of the ways that love gets twisted we say if I love this person what's in it for me we sang a song earlier today that said um ask the question why should he love me so talking about God why should God love me so why did Jesus go to Calvary go to the cross for us why why did he do that and, and the implied question in that question is, is what's in it for him? You know, we love ice cream because it tastes good and it makes us feel good. What was in it for God that, that he sent his son to die? And you know what? There is no answer. We could have sang all the verses of that song, and they never give you an answer. Because there isn't an answer. There's no thing that we do for God that makes it worth it. There's no way that... That because God loves us, we do something for him that, that he gets something out of it. And is like, oh, this is what I was looking for. God doesn't need that. God doesn't need us. His love is completely different. It has nothing to do with what he can get out of it. And that's why there's no answer to that question. And I think that we need to look at love the way that God loves See, godly love works. 
and it looks for others. It doesn't look out for itself, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your love, that you love us without question, without condition, and, and without looking for anything in return. Be with us this morning as we look in your word. Help us to find out what real love is about. I speak with each person here this morning, open their hearts, open their minds, open their ears to hear your words, and I ask that you uh, you would be with me and that it wouldn't be my words up here but yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you've got your Bible this morning, open up to 1 John chapter 3, that's going to be towards the back, and the verse John 3.16 gets all the attention, but today we're going to look at starting at 1 John 3.16, which is not the the verse that they advertise at, at football games, but I think it, it's pretty good nonetheless. Because here we find John talking about what godly love is like, what real love is like. And he sets the bar kind of high at the start, and then he explains what, what it's all about and how things are going to go. But read along with me in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. In our world today, our, our idea of love gets twisted. It gets twisted, and it goes from, from the godly love that John describes here, and it starts to to get dirty. It starts to, to turn from, from the beautiful thing that God intended it to be, and it gets darker, and it gets dirtier, and, and eventually it's completely turned upside down to not what God wanted, not what God intended in the first place. And this comes from, from evil, because evil, as we talked about before, doesn't have the power to create. So what it does is takes what God creates it and twists it around to move us away from where God wants us to be. And one of the things, one of the greatest things that God has given us is love. So, of course, this is something that evil is going to come after. And evil is going to try to twist. So it's important for us to look at what real love is and look at what happens when it gets twisted. And we know that, that one of the ways that love is twisted is lust. And a lot of times when we think about lust, we think about it in sexual terms just in terms of, of looking at another person. But I think that, that lust is more than that. Lust is any time that, that we take love and make us the center of it instead of other people. Love plus selfishness is lust. And a lot of times we think of, of lusting after another person in a sexual way, but we can also lust after that new car that we really want but can't quite afford, or maybe we can cut some corners to get there. We can also lust after a new position at, at a job or a higher recognition from other people, that, that sense of power or prestige or recognition. And this is the way that love gets twisted 
as we take the focus off of other people or off of God and place it on ourselves. If we go back to our verse in 1 John 3, verse 16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That, that's a big deal, especially when we go on in 17, it says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. I'm sorry, that's still 16. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's a scary thing. I'm supposed to lay down my life for someone? We're going to get to that in a minute, but the first thing that I want you to, to pick up from this is that real love, true love, godly love, is sacrifice. The, the way that we know what love is is to look at what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? He sacrificed himself for us. And what did Jesus get out of that? Nothing. He came back to life and, and he's in heaven, but that's where he was to start with. I mean, he didn't really gain anything in the process. He went from where he was and came down and, and sacrificed his life, went through pain and anguish and suffering, and then wound up right back where he was. And we need to look at love the same way. But our society doesn't do this. The world that we live in doesn't look at love as sacrifice. We don't think that way. In fact, normally we think of love in the opposite terms. We think of, of what we can get out of it or what can make us happy. And even then, we, we still get that wrong. Too many times you see people who get divorced and they say, well, I just wasn't happy anymore. Don't I deserve to be happy? And there's a lot of eyes in those statements. But it's bigger than just romantic love. It's bigger than just a marriage relationship because love is bigger than that. And unfortunately, we only have one word to talk about love, which is why when I say, I love ice cream, I use the same word for love that I use when I say, I love my sister, which is the same word that I use to say, I love, I love my wife. We only, we only have one word for love. But in Greek, in the, in the language the Bible is written, they didn't have only one word. They had four words. And this clues us into this idea that there's more than one way to look at love. There's more than one kind of love. And the first word that they use in the Bible for love is agape. And this is perfect godly love. This is the way that God loves us. The second one is phileo, or brotherly love. And this is, is friend love. The way that, that I love my friends. Third one is storge, or family love. And this is the way that Brothers and sisters love each other. This is the way that parents and children love each other. And the, third, the fourth one, and actually the only one that doesn't show up in the New Testament, is eros, or erotic love, or romantic love. So there's four different ways to look at love. But we've only got one word for it. And if we go back and look at these ways and look at, at the world, we find out that the world doesn't really get most of these ways. We're not connected with these. If we look at agape, at perfect love, at the way that God loves us, he loves us even though he knows everything about us. He knows all the things that we've done wrong. He knows all the secrets that we don't tell anyone else. He knows every way we've messed up. He still loves us. That doesn't really fit the world's idea of love. Most people don't understand that. 
Most people, when they hear about God, say something like, well, he could never love me. I'm, I'm a terrible person. Or I could never go to a church. I, I've been done too many things wrong. I have to get my life right first, and then I'll go. But God loves us anyway, and, and we don't understand that. Or if we look at brotherly love, at the kind of love that, that real close friends have, it, it doesn't exist. In a, a confidential nationwide survey of men in America, they asked them, you know, they didn't take their names, they just asked them, you know, we want your honest opinion, no one else is going to find out. They said, how many real friends do you have? People that you can tell anyone to, that you know will accept you no matter what you tell them, that you share your secrets with. And they asked men this question in America, and the average answer was less than one. The average American man has zero friends, and women isn't much better. No one that they can go to and know that they can tell them anything and they're going to still be there after they get done telling them. Zero. We don't have this idea of, of friend love in our society. And even you see guys, especially maybe a, a, an older generation, and you don't see two guys who say to each other, hey, I love you, man. <laughs> That's weird. Because we have to use the same word for love between friends that we use between a husband and a wife. So it starts to, to be a little weird. Oh, we don't want to say that. Mm -mm. Instead, we say, hey, you're a good guy, and we punch him in the shoulder. You know, and that's supposed to be the same thing. But we don't know what that kind of love is like. Or storge, family love. There are way too many people in this room who are from broken families, who grew up without a mother or without a father. Or who grew up in a family where maybe they had a mother and a father, but they weren't loved by them the way that they should be. And even when there are people who grew up with a mother and a father who love them the, should be, the way they should be, we don't have the kind of, of close-knit family relationships that they did in biblical times. I mean, I live 10 hours away from my parents. I don't get as much family love as I should. And that's nothing that they did wrong. I'm the one who chose to move away. But there's still something missing in, in most people's lives when it comes to family love. And we could go through every person here and talk about, you know, problems with their family. Not in a bad way, just that's the way that the world works. That's one of the ways that love gets twisted from pink, squishy hearts down into black, empty nothingness. So that leaves us with one kind of love. It leaves us with the erotic love that's, talk, that's not talked about in the New Testament. And that's where we say, well, I don't know what God's love is like, and I don't have any friends in my family. Oh, I can't mess with them. So this is what I'm going to look to for all of my need, love needs. All that's left is, is erotic love. It's just the, the, other, the opposite sex. And that's way too much pressure, first of all, for one type of love to handle. That's one type of love doing the job of four. And also, it's the one, the only one, where we know we're going to get something out of it. It's the only one where we know that there's a return. Because God loves us without asking anything in return. So that's one thing. And friends love each other even though we know there's going to be problems. And you know what? I don't think there's a better example of God's love for us than a mother's love for a newborn baby. 
we just met my new neighbors that are moving in. And um, they have a three-week-old son. And yesterday, my mom and I were out doing some stuff in the yard, and, and the new mom came out and was talking to us, and she was holding her son. And, and she, she was talking about, you know, all the stuff that they've been through and how busy they were. And, and then she was talking about her son, and she, and she said with a smile on her face, yeah, I'm going on one hour sleep right now. And it wasn't like, a, oh, I can't believe that I only got an hour of sleep. She was happy. She was holding her three-week-old son, and she was happy that she only got one hour of sleep. Because she was taking care of her newborn son who couldn't do anything for her. I mean, all he did was spit up and cry and poop and need attention. That's all that he did. And sometimes I think that, that that's the relationship that we have with God. We're the babies, and we try to do stuff, and all that comes out is spit up and, and we want more food. But that's the way that, that God's love is for us. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13, God is speaking and God says, As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. That's God. You know, our, our great heavenly father says, I can be like a mom too. And when you need it, I'll be there to comfort you the same way that a mother comforts her child. But we lose that. And even, even the love of parents can get twisted. Even that kind of love that, that a parent has for a child can become twisted when they start to worry about, well, what about me? There's a, a family that we know that um, we've known, I've known my whole life, my parents have known for a long time, and there's a son who graduated from high school, went into the military. And he did some, some stuff in high school, and, you know, he ran track and did things, but was never a superstar athlete or on the honor roll or anything. But he went into the military and found out, hey, I'm really good at this. And got awards and, and different things, but his job in the military put him in the front lines, put him in harm's way. But finally, the son had found something that, that he really excelled at. Meanwhile, his family was back home, and they were worried about him, which is obvious. But they were also worried about themselves and said, you know, I, I miss my son. And so his mom started anti-war efforts to bring her son home because she missed him because she was worried about him. She didn't want to lose him. Part of me wonders, did she ask her son what he thought about that? Her son who finally found something that, that made him feel complete and made him, made him feel like he was making a difference. Was she looking at what was best for her son and wanting to bring him home? Or was she looking at what was best for her in wanting to bring him home? That doesn't say, that's not a, a statement on whether the war is right or wrong, just a statement on where was the mom's heart? Was she really looking at what was best for her son or was she looking at what she thought was best for her. And love, get, love gets twisted in that way. When we take our eyes off of what's best for the other person and, and how we can sacrifice to do what's best for the other person, we start to look at what's best for us. When we start to be selfish, that love turns into something else. It gets twisted. Let's go on and 
Look what else John has to say. Verse 17 and 18, excuse me. He says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. Now, I read that verse twice from two different translations. Did you pick that up? Because it changes a little bit. We're going to go back to that, but we talk about sacrifice. And the example that Jesus gives is huge. As he sacrificed his life, most of us will never have that opportunity. We'll never be put in that place where we're asked to sacrifice our life. It doesn't happen. In America these days, that's not the way that, that things work. If you go to China or parts of Africa, then there's a very good chance you'll get put in a place where you'll have to make a choice between your life or serving God. But not in America. And I think John knew that when he wrote this. Now, I don't think he knew about America, but, but that's in here for a reason, because not everyone is asked to sacrifice their life. So he takes that and breaks it down for us and says, this is, this is how you do it. And in the message, it says, it says this. It says, if you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, what's he doing now? He's saying it, it doesn't have to be your life. It's just the ability to do something. I think that this shows us that real love is physical. It's doing something. It's making a difference. Not just standing by in the shadows, not just letting things go, but, but stepping in and doing something. And it's going to cost us. But that's what, what real love is. If we go on and read in the message, it says, if you see a brother and sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, and that's what happens to God's love. Because God's love is, is what drives us to do these things. What happens to God's love if we're not doing these things? He says it disappears. And then it gets, it's, you know, the knife is in, but then he twists it and says, and you made it disappear. It doesn't mean that God's love is gone. It just means that God's love is no longer in this situation. And if we look in, in the New International Version, that's the end of verse 17. How, if, if you see someone and have no pity on them, how can the love of God be there, be there? How can it be in you? How can it be in the other person if you're not delivering it? If you're not letting it out, how could it really be in you in the first place? So real love is physical. It comes from doing things. This is also talked about in the book of James. In James chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? And, and we need to think that way. When we see somebody who has a need, we see even someone on the street who's asking for money. We say to him, God bless you. What's the response going to be to that? What do you mean, God bless me? You just walk by and... and Pretended I wasn't even a real person just because I had my hand out. You're going to say, God bless me? What good does that do? And John says here that that's not real love. James says, what good is it? 
You can't just say to someone, be warm and well-fed. If they're cold and starving on the street, it doesn't work that way. Love means giving up what we have with no expectation of return. I had a, a discussion this week with some people about the idea of karma. About, you know, if you do something bad, something bad is going to come back to you. If you do something good, something good is going to come back to you. God's love isn't karma. Real love isn't karma. Because in karma, you do good things because you're hoping to get something back later on. Real love, God's love, does good things, and that's the end of it. You're not looking for a, for a response. You're not looking to get back what you gave. You're just looking to give. And it, it works the other way, too. Because the Beatles had a song that said, can't buy me love. But too many times, we try to buy love. We do nice things for someone. We do go out of our way to do things because we want that love and affection. You see this a lot of times, and I know that I saw this growing up for, with kids whose parents were divorced. And they'd spend most of their time with their mom all through the week, and then every other weekend they get to spend with their dad. And they'd love every other weekend because their dad would take them wherever they wanted to go and buy them whatever they wanted because they wanted to be loved. Because dads want, you know, in that situation, we want to be loved. We want to be loved by our kids. And if we're trying to buy love, it doesn't work that way. We can't show love and expect to get back what we gave, and we can't give out expecting to get love back. Neither of those is what, what God did. God loved without expecting to get anything. And he gave without expecting to get anything. And he did that in a physical way. Just through all kinds of things. And the example we use is huge, but think of the small things that God has done in our lives as well. Finally, real love isn't risky. Real love removes risk. And too many times when we think about love, we see it as a gamble. We talk about putting our hearts on the line. But if we look at verses 19 and 20 here, John says that real love is the only way that we can be sure of the future. Verse 19 and 20 say, This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Do you ever feel like your heart condemns you? That, that you just... And not necessarily your heart is in love heart like we've been talking about, but your, your mind, your conscience, you just feel like, man, is this really right? Does God really love me? Am I, am, I really, am I really doing what God wants me to do? Does God really care? Does he really, you know, we talk about him forgiving sins. Does that really happen? Is he really going to take care of me in the future? And John says that the answer to that question it doesn't come from reading the right things. It doesn't come from knowing the right things. It comes from doing. 
he just gets done talking about doing those physical things for people. And he says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth. It's by what we do. If we go out and love people without worrying about what's going to happen to us, we don't have anything to worry about. And too many times we look at, at love, especially romantic love, as a gamble. That we're going to go out and we're going to love this person and we're going to give them everything we have. And what if they don't love us back? God's love doesn't worry about that. He's not trying to be loved back. He's just trying to love. And all kinds of love can run into this risk problem of what if, what if they don't respond? What if they don't give back? And John says that doesn't matter. What matters is that you are right with God. And that comes from, from loving without looking for things in return. And too many times we, we don't see that. We, don't see, we see people loving, but, but they're really looking for something in return. And too many times that, that happens when churches go out and love. There was, I just saw on the news last night that there was a church in Wilmington, Ohio that was knocking 40 cents off of the price of a gallon of gasoline all day yesterday. So it was $3.79 a gallon. They were selling gas for $3.39 a gallon. And I have to wonder, were they giving out tracts when they were doing this and saying, well, if we love these people, then they'll come to our church. Then we'll get something out of it. Or were they just loving people? And I don't know, I've never been to the church, never talked to them, don't know anything about them, but it makes you wonder. Why were they loving without looking for anything in return? Or were they risky? Was it a, a risky love and that they, they went out and spent this money to, to, to love these people, but really they were hoping to get something back? John says that, that love isn't a risk. Love should be the end, not what we get in return, not what we hope to get paid back. That's, that's the end, is love. And again, we see this in mothers and children. Because real motherly love is going to love that kid no matter what. Whether he grows up to be a, a multi-millionaire or whether he never makes a penny in his life. Whether he graduates magna cum laude from Harvard or whether he just can't seem to make it through preschool. Whether he grows up to be seven feet tall or whether he barely cracks four foot. A real mother loves their child not for what they're going to get out of them or what that child's going to be or, or whether that child's going to be able to take care of them when they get older. They love them because they love them. And that's the end. And we have Mother's Day in celebration of that kind of mother's love. The kind that, that doesn't get anything back the other days of the year. To have that one day, that one day when they say thank you for the sacrifice. But it, it doesn't have to be just between mothers and children. It doesn't have to be just between God and us because we're all called to love that way, to love 
the way that, that mothers are, are supposed to love their children. And dads, don't get me wrong, I know that dads love their children that way too, but well, Father's Day's not yet, so we'll talk about that then. <laughs> but as a challenge to you today, I want to ask you to go out and this week love someone in a physical way and don't expect anything back. Go out and do those small things for people and don't expect a return. Don't say, well, you know, if I do some nice things for them, then they'll do some nice things for me. We're not talking about I scratch your back, you scratch mine. We're talking about sacrifice and doing small things in a physical way and not worrying about the risk because we're not expecting anything in return. We're going to sing our closing song, I Surrender All. And what this means is that we're loving God with all we have and not expecting anything back. We're surrendering it. We're turning it over. We're not asking for anything in return from Him. We're just loving Him because we should love Him. There's another song we're going to sing today, Oh, How I Love Jesus. And the end of that song is, Oh, How I Love Jesus, because He first loved me. I don't even want to love God because He loved us first. I just want to love Him because I decided to love Him, and that's how I'm going to live my life. Jim's going to come forward and, and lead us in our closing song. And if you don't know the love of God... We invite you to come forward. But if you do, we ask you to live it out. Not just sing about it, not just talk about it, but go out and do it.